Welcome back to Scary Bear Attacks. Today's episode takes us to the Two Oceans Pass area located in the Teton Wilderness, just south of Yellowstone Park near Cody, Wyoming. This area features majestic granite peaks biting into the sky above lush forests of fir and pine. It receives a lot of snowfall each winter, which keeps the undergrowth thick to hide the elk, deer, and moose that tiptoe along the meadows and streams in the valleys. Cougars, wolves, and black and brown bears round out the dominant predators that stalk the hillsides. Drawing skiers, horseback riders, trail hikers, and sightseers, this area is a sportsman's paradise and is dotted with expensive cabins here and there. On September 27, 2021, licensed Wyoming hunting guide Tyler Barnard was leading his clients, who were father, whom we'll call Dave, and son, whom we'll call Justin, on an elk hunt. The party was pursuing a large bull elk, which to them was a satisfactory specimen. Rifle season for elk had just started about a week before, and the country was rough hiking, wild, and rigorous. On the 27th, the party had found and shot at the bull they had their eyes on. The shot seemed like a good hit, and they followed the ample blood trail for a good mile or so before the blood trail dwindled, limiting their ability to follow it any further. Recognizing their dilemma and limited abilities due to sunset, the men called it a day and agreed to return first thing in the morning to follow up on the bull and hopefully reclaim its carcass and antlers as best they could. They resumed the search on the 28th to no avail. They returned for one last good look as ethics require hunters to do. It was 85 degrees out that day, so they knew they would have to find it as soon as possible, fairly confident that the meat they wanted was bone-soured, if not completely rotten by now. Even if they did lose the meat, the Wyoming game laws required them to do every reasonable thing to recover the carcass and salvage it if possible. The morning of September 29th, the trio headed out to find another bull, as they were convinced the bull they shot a few days prior may have escaped and did not die at all. At about 8 a.m., they were hiking up a trail in the same area they found the prior bull in, when they noticed a whiff of death on the air. Elk meat has its own distinct smell, as do most species, so the men decided to investigate a little more. With fair certainty that the smell was coming from the bull they had previously wounded, the men left their rifles on their horses and began walking to the edge of a small ridge that the smell seemed to be coming from. As they crested the ridge, they could see small pines protruding from the numerous larger trees, now dead and blown down by winds and decay. Because the pines were young, the visibility was limited by their low canopies. Visual lanes appeared, but mostly were limited to about 25 yards at most vantage points. The men briefly discussed how they had to go about the act of recovery. They agreed to look for the bull, and then locate the carcass with a pin on their GPS. Next, they would have a recovery team come in and reclaim the carcass and antlers after they'd tagged it. Edible or not, the hunters had an ethical duty to tag the elk, and they were dedicated to the ethical practice. Now, these men were no dummies. They came in loaded for bear. Literally. Tyler carried a 10mm Model 20 Glock loaded with Buffalo Bore 190 grain hard cast bullets. This is a powerful pistol, but is obviously nowhere near as powerful as even a smaller caliber hunting rifle. Justin was also packing a 45 ACP with a red dot sight and a 15 round magazine. He loaded it with hollow point plus P self-defense ammunition. Dave wasn't carrying a sidearm, but he did bring along his can of bear spray just in case. It turned out that they would need every bit of the firepower they brought with them on this day. The men spread out about a stone's throw from each other and began to comb the hill in search of the rotten carcass. 
Tyler had just stepped over a deadfall tree in his path when he heard Justin flatly say, Hey, there's a bear. About 20 yards in front of Justin was a grizzly bear, and it wasn't long before it streaked toward Justin. Tyler could see the bear as it ate up the few yards separating the two. He yelled for Justin to shoot it, and watched as Justin aimed his gun at the enraged grizzly defending the elk carcass. Justin squeezed off the first shot and aimed between the bear's eyes. His bullet hit pretty closely to where he was aiming, but bear anatomy is particularly protective at this angle. A bear's skull slopes back sharply just after its brow, and most of the head behind it is covered first in very thick, tough hide, with grisly fat underneath it founded upon a thick layer of muscle, which connects to the jawbones and closes the jaws. Even if the bullet had hit the skull, the angle of the bones there may have simply caused it to bounce off at a high angle and likely wouldn't have killed the bear. But this shot was the only one afforded to Justin, so he took it. If it were a perfect world, the bullet would have struck the bear about two inches lower and probably would have had the desired effect. But as the saying goes, if opportunity doesn't knock, build the door. The bear's charge was slowed by the impact of the bullet fired by Justin, giving his father Dave an opportunity to deploy his bear spray. The repellent fogged from the can, creating a cloud just between the bear and the men. The grizzly ran right through the spray cloud, and it clearly had absolutely no effect on the bear. As the bear spray spread into the breeze, it filtered back into the eyes and noses of the men and definitely affected them. Thinking quickly, Tyler hopped back over the big deadfall and paralleled the bear separated by about ten yards of the brush heading toward Dave and Justin. Tyler heard Justin fire what he believed was about six shots toward the bear before he came to a nice shooting lane between the young pines. By now, Justin's shots had slowed the bear considerably, but the distance between the two was only about ten yards. He quickly raised his pistol and put three powerful rounds into the bear's vitals. Yes, these shots would definitely be lethal to the bear, but would it be in time to prevent it from brutalizing his clients? Even though the grizzly had now been hit by nine rounds of some of the hottest loads for those particular pistols, it continued in its attack toward Dave and Justin. Its progress was slowed considerably, and Tyler continued to run toward Dave and Justin while firing three more shots. Prior to going on this hunting trip, Justin had spent hours at the range, honing his focus and accuracy with his pistol. He recalled seeing the red dot on his sight being centered on the bear with each shot he fired while the bear charged him. He continued to fire at the bear until his magazine was empty, then quickly pulled out another magazine and reloaded to keep firing. As long as the bear was trying to kill him, he would keep shooting it. Tyler continued shooting as well, once he reached Justin's side. Bystanders reported the shooting lasted about 15 seconds, but the event seemed to drag on much longer to the men. Tyler focused his shots on hitting the bear in the chest and shoulders. He believed his bullets broke one, if not both, of the grizzly bear's shoulders. Overcome by the destruction wrought by so many rounds fired into it, the grizzly veered right and ran into a tree only about three yards from the men. This gave Tyler an opportunity to step forward and fire into the side of the bear's skull twice, just to be sure. The bear dropped dead, only five feet from where the men stood. After the shooting subsided and the bear lay dead without cell coverage, the men used a satellite phone to notify the ranch owner and have him inform the authorities. The men headed back to camp to await the Wyoming Game and Fish officers they expected to come investigate the incident. While waiting at camp, the red uniform of the Game and Fish officers came into view and they discussed the incident with the men. They radioed headquarters and received the go-ahead to complete a field examination of the bear's carcass. A biologist and investigator from the Wyoming Game Department performed a dissection on the bear's carcass. 
They counted 16 bullet wounds and stopped counting there, with each bullet hole located in the front half of the bear. None of the shots were found to have struck the bear's spine. The bear had a thick layer of grisly fat over its neck and shoulders, which limited the penetration of the hollow point rounds fired from Justin's pistol. Two of his bullets were found to have merely penetrated the hide of the bear and lodged just inside the fat layer. A few of his bullets had penetrated at the top and the base of the bear's neck and ranged toward its shoulders a good distance, but were found to have not penetrated its chest cavity. The examination had confirmed the men's account of events, and no charges were filed against them. Tyler's shots were clearly from the right side of the bear and hit their mark in its ribs. The rest of his shots were fired from nearer Justin, so the bullets entering the bear from that angle could have been from either man's pistol. Upon examining the bear, the investigator found a lip tattoo with a number on it, indicating the bear had been tranquilized by researchers previously. The biologist and investigator estimated the bear's weight at somewhere between 5 and 600 pounds. After their interviews with Wyoming Game and Fish and federal game officers, the men were told that the noise they made as they approached the carcass likely triggered the attack. Ironically, most professionals advise people to make noise to ensure the bears know you're there well in advance of a run-in. Grizzly bears remain under federal protection contrary to the agreed-upon opinion that their population in the greater Yellowstone area is fully recovered. Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming have all repeatedly petitioned to manage populations at the state level, but no permission has yet been granted by federal authorities. Local guides and outfitters claim that bears have been conditioned to believe that humans are not a threat, increasing the chance of an attack by particularly aggressive individuals. As an ethical hunting guide, Tyler felt obligated to push his and his client's experience into the public eye by posting about it on Facebook. He indicated he had more run-ins in the backcountry this year with aggressive grizzlies than he had ever in the six years prior, guiding there. Some locals and state officials indicate that the situation is getting increasingly dangerous and a hunting season on grizzlies is the only way to balance the situation out. After reviewing the facts of this incident, I'm left wondering, if a grizzly bear season is reinstated in Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho, will the bears again fear or respect humans? Is the successful recovery of grizzly bears without a full recovery of their food system like the restoration of salmon runs setting hunters, campers, and hikers up for disaster? Can grizzly bears even be conditioned to fear people? Or are they simply an apex predator without boundaries? Does the recovery or protection of intact ecosystems require that people simply be prevented from entering the areas the bears are known to reside and thrive in? I would love to hear your comments on these thoughts, so please post them in the comments below. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us on our Patreon link below. I want to thank our Patreons, Dina White, Cole Rodriguez, Aurora, April Donovan, Ryan Cernicky, Shar, Chris Marlar, Wayne Washington, Fluffy Feet, Cheyenne, Greg Schaefer, and Drone Adventures. Your support means the world to me. Please consider visiting our new merch store link below the video for amazing Scary Bear Attack branded apparel, gear, and a lot more. Thank you for watching Scary Bear Attacks, and if you enjoyed this video, please consider showing us by liking it and subscribing. Clicking on the bell icon will keep you posted regarding our latest videos and sharing our videos to your social media platforms helps spread awareness. As a valued member of our human community, we urge you to adventure bravely and be careful out there, especially in bear country.